So uh, this is kind of a Sunday of substitutes, uh, but uh, <laughs> and uh, substitutes a person that's in place of uh, the best. And so here I am. <laughs> at uh, at one fifty one p.m. yesterday, Pastor Rich texted me, and he said said he spent the night with fever and chills, coughing and running his sinuses. He says he doesn't believe he has COVID, but has not been able to find a testing place because they're so swamped. So please pray that he does not have the COVID and can return to functionality quickly. So in his place, uh, I am a substitute. I'm an elder of the church and I'm thankful to fill in today any way that I can serve the Lord. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for all those gathered here today and for those that are uh, watching us on Zoom, Lord. And Lord, uh, I just uh, pray that you would, your Holy Spirit would lead and guide me as I try to honor you and give you glory. And, uh, try to explain what's on my heart uh, and uh, to show these people what a great majestic God that you are. Pray all these things in uh, Jesus' name. Amen. The last time I, I uh, spoke was, I shared of course my personal testimony and uh, I mentioned to you that uh, this year, uh, one of the things that I have been doing is uh, with other group of men, we've been studying the book of Genesis. So if I seem to harp on that all the time and uh, that's all I can talk about, well, it's it's one of the greatest books. It, it's kind of like a, a beginning again. And uh, many of you probably know everything I'm gonna say and all the story that, uh, about all this, but I think it's good for us to uh, recite that once again and, and uh, just take you through the steps uh, that God and His divine plan has uh, given to uh, all of us. Amen. So anyway, uh, the book of Genesis uh, tells us what creation was like, and uh, we, we talked about the fall of mankind leading up to God's judgment with the flood on the entire earth. And uh, there was only one family that God allowed in the ark, which was Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Also allowed on the ark were every clean animal. There were seven pairs of those and uh, two pairs of every unclean animal. Other than a rainbow in the sky, God promised that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. And when the ark caught on the ground, everybody got off. Everyone got off. And God's first instruction to them that they got on the ark was, when they got off the ark was, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And he also gave mankind charge over every living non-human being on the earth and the sky for food in addition to all the plants that he'd given them before the flood. Well, most of my life I have heard people refer to all of us coming from Adam, but we must remember that his generations were wiped out except for Noah and his family. 
The rest of Adam either died or they were drowned in the flood. Noah's three sons were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And remember how righteous that Noah was prior to the flood. Well, his first act off the ark was to build an altar, so that was again totally righteous. It wasn't long after that he tested the grapes that were growing. He made some wine and he tested a little too much of it and he, he messed up one time. He did live another 350 years, but scripture omits any future narrative in his life. Well, in my vague understanding, I thought, how could this happen to such a righteous man that God spared him from the whole human race since the beginning of creation? And was God done with him after that? So here's my take on that. We often like to isolate something in a person's life and make that a climactic thing in their life. And surely God has done with him. Well, the devil likes to teach or likes to do that to each one of us when we sin. But that's one of the beautiful things about the Bible. It's a tell-all story. It leaves nothing out. It's not uh, sometimes fun to uh, read all those retold stories and say, and we, we tend to judge, don't we? But it's easy to overlook Genesis 6, 8, that Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. In verse 9 it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. And in Hebrews 11, 7 it says, By faith he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. And as I just mentioned in Matthew 7, it says, Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For with what judgment you use, you will be judged. Our God is sovereign. He determines the outcome of all things according to his own wise purposes. He has absolute authority and rule over his creation. He controls and he guides all events for his glory and for the believer's good. He does not merely adjust his plans to incorporate people's decisions, but he determines, of course, mankind. So let's leave Noah alone here and concentrate on his sons being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth. As uh, Lily just read, the states, uh, level one states, now the whole earth and she didn't read that, I read that. In Genesis 11, 1 states, Now the whole world used the same language and the same words. It says, Come, let us build ourselves a city in the tower whose top will reach into the heaven. Let us make ourselves a name, otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the whole face of the earth. So what could be wrong with that? It seems to me that they are fruitful and multiplying. What's missing? Oh yeah, filling the earth. To build a city was to build a civilization. To build a tower was to build a religious order. Both would be man-centered, not God-centered efforts. They were adopting a form of humanism. They were trying to do everything to prevent being scattered throughout the earth. So what was God's take? He says, well, with everyone huddled together and speaking the same language, now nothing will be impossible for him, for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they can't understand each other. So he scattered them over the whole face of the earth. Well, God was not threatened by what humanity was doing. 
He wasn't fearful that humanity was suddenly an unstoppable force. Rather, he recognized that unified, sinful humanity had enormous potential to sour God's creation. Well, hopefully we can learn some lessons from the Old Testament and uh, make application to our current culture. Again, there seems to be a trend to joining all nations together. Everyone is clamoring to live in large cities because they have all the culture, jobs, and latest trends in society. Well, many wish to build an entire society without God. And at least you can have whatever God you wish, but don't let it filter in with any decisions that we make for the common good. So I ask you, how is that working out? Well, there are two results from this language shakeout. First, the people stop building the city. Does that remind you of anything that we got going on right now? Secondly, God's original purpose was accomplished. All the people were forced to scatter throughout the earth. And I could imagine that there was considerable confusion by people as to what was happening, just like we have now. But can you imagine all of a sudden your language changed, you turn to somebody they can't understand you, so you look around for somebody that can understand. And uh, it must have been a large chaos. Well, maybe our languages aren't confusing, but could God be using a little virus to separate and drive us apart? Are all of the phases about coming together confounding with the signs of mask required and social distancing everywhere? How about the body of Christ? Are we seeking God's will in all this? Or is the next vaccine and science and government our solace? Well, God is sovereign whether we recognize it or not. When I do not believe God is sovereign over my life, I will flounder upon waves of insecurity and indecision. Anxiety will overrule and above the peace of God. Worry and dread will overwhelm me every time I reach, I watch the news or hear about our world's evils. I will try to strive to define truth on my own terms, yet never really find satisfaction. I will fear failure, doubting God is sovereignly working all things for good. I will fear the future, doubting God's wise control. And I'll exhaust myself just trying, striving unsuccessfully to control every word, every relationship, every act, and every outcome in life. Well, so far we've gone from Noah's touchdown and beginning civilization all over again after the flood. Since Japheth, they spread out to the north to Europe and Ham to the south to Africa and Shem in the Middle East. Well, Noah praised the Lord, the God of Shem. Shem and his offspring would be marked by their walk with God. Shem's descendants, the Semites, became the nation of Israel through Abraham and his sons. God used Shem's people to write and preserve most of the books of Scripture. Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, was born through the human line of Shem. Through Shem, Jesus Christ came as a blessing for all nations. Well, how many of you have heard the song, My Father Abraham has many sons, many sons might have a 
Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. I love that song. And, uh, I, it was just a song, man. I didn't realize uh, how outstanding that is. I mean, what that really means. And I said, again, God amazes me. He, uh, he selects the umpteenth grandson of Shem after hundreds of years and tells him to go to a land he would show him. And this is the original call of Abram. He's not Abraham yet. He says, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so you can be a blessing. I will bless all those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in all the families of the earth, you will be blessed. So this begins his first conversation and he goes to Canaan. The next conversation goes like this in uh, Genesis 13, 14. It says, now lift your eyes and look down, look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for the land which you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Well, thus far, Abraham has told God will bless him and give him all of Canaan, but his wife Sarah can't have children. So Abraham experiments with the maid and has a boy named Ishmael. But God says, I told you Sarah and you would have a child. So Sarah finally gets pregnant at 90 and Abraham is 100. What a man. And Isaac is born, which means <laughs> laughter. And not everything is complete. Well, I say not everything is complete and they live happily ever after, right? This is it. Wrong. Now, God says, I'm giving you everything I promised you. Now, here's what I want. And so chapter 22, which I read earlier, it says, take your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham listens, he obeys, he heads for the hills with Isaac and his entourage. And at the base of the mountain, he tells the others to wait for he and Isaac are going to the top of the mountain to worship. Isaac carries the wood for fire and all the materials needed, but where's the sacrifice? So Isaac even asks him, he says, Abraham, uh, where's, where's the sacrifice? And uh, Abraham says, the Lord will provide. So they get to the top. Abraham takes, makes the altar, and he has Isaac lay on top of it. And he gets ready to bludgeon Isaac, and the Lord says, stop. Now that I know you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me, so do you think that God didn't know beforehand what Abraham would do? Well, he was testing Abraham so Abraham would know what God already knew, that Abraham was willing to offer God what he loved most. And here's something that Abraham did not know, which we know many years later, God the Heavenly Father offered his one and only son as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. Through Abraham's faith, God provided a physical preview of the substantive 
sacrificial death and resurrection of the Son of Thomas, Jesus Christ. And today, the same Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, the Son of Abraham is your is your substitute for all sins you have or will commit in your life. Without Jesus as my substitute, I must carry the guilt and burden of my own sin. His resurrection power becomes mine as I, through though dead in my sins, am made alive spiritually through him. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus. Only God's unconditional, inexhaustible love can explain why Jesus would be my substitute. And for all of you, if any of you have never accepted Jesus Christ, if you have friends who did not know the Lord, please pray that they might come to know this wonderful Jesus. And I mention all this stuff, and it's like, this is history, but uh, it's playing right, it's playing out right before our eyes right now. Uh, this promise that God made to Abraham back there, he died and went to the grave without knowing all of these things. And uh, now we, where we're at, we are heirs to all that uh, Abraham, God promised Abraham. And we're in the same position. So, well, let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Holy Father, we uh, just thank you for your word, Lord, and Lord, we, we go back to your beginning and your great plan for all of us, Lord, and today many of us, like I said earlier, might be floundering and might be wondering what's going to happen, and uh, Lord, I, I just pray for each person here and, and on Zoom, Lord, that uh, he would we would trust in you as the body of Christ, Lord. We would rely on you uh, and uh, not be anxious about what's that vaccine going to do, what's this going to, uh, what's going to happen to our economy, Lord. But uh, Lord, help us to live out your prayer that Jesus prayed. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Amen. Give us each day our daily bread, Lord. We sometimes look way down the way and wonder what is going to happen, Lord, but you are our provider, so we bless you and thank you for that. Lord, help us to live like Jesus, forgiving each other as you have forgiven us. Lord, we pray that you're soon coming, we'll be here, Lord, and that we can join you in that wonderful place called heaven. That's all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.